This is the Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post, and he's John Oran, the media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. John, I'm excited to do this. Wait, what, what are we doing, by the way? Are the lawyers letting us do this, Andrew? We, we've been waiting for months. I, I will We've been practicing since the summer, guys. We've been practicing since the summer on this. <laughs> I'm waiting for the green light. We're happy it's here. By the way, we both kept a secret. That's the most surprising part about this. But, no uh, leaks. No leaks. Listen, the day that we tape this, to me, is a perfect illustration of why I wanted to do a pod with you. Two stories uh, on Tuesday drove most of the conversations in sports media all day. You were the one, you broke the story about ESPN changing up its NBA countdown, which dominated my Twitter feed all day, pretty much. And, and listen, we're not here just to pat ourselves on the back. I mean, we'll do plenty of that. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. But you also, Sage Steele, the other big story of the day, uh, she's not suspended, ESPN will tell you, but she's off the air for the rest of the week. Uh, you can call it what you want, but she's off the air for the rest of the week. She's not going to the ESPN W Summit. You had that first. Uh, like you do a lot of stories. And so what we want to do here is just go further into the stories, go deeper, tell you what we know, things we, John and I had these conversations offline for a long time. Now we want to share them with you. So we're happy you're listening and, uh, and we appreciate it greatly. So, and how is it going to work? Uh, we're going to have a rundown every week. So we're going to hit on uh, three to five topics each week. Some weeks we're going to have an interview. This week we're excited to, to kick off everything with Scott Van Pelt. Go Terps. Yeah, go Terps. Well, you'll see when you listen to the interview. They're both Maryland grads. Oran loves Scott Van Pelt more than his wife. We get into that and into, <laughs> into a lot of things as well. And Van Pelt's great about media issues. Uh, and obviously he's excellent on SportsCenter. Uh, we're calling the segment uh, Six Pretty Good Minutes. It won't be six, exactly six minutes, uh, but uh, it will be concise. Not one of these long interviews uh, that uh, sometimes uh, you hear. Uh, and then at the end of the show, we'll have our calls of the week, which could be a play-by-play call, could be an executive decision, could be something a broadcaster does, an agent does. Uh, so calls of the week. But we start every week with... Who's up? Who's down? John, you, you can kick us off with who's up. Who's up? Eric Shanks, Lenny Daniels, you can throw in Jimmy Bataro too, for that matter. Okay, hold on, before we even get started, Oran's already going, he's just hit every executive, okay? So, <laughs> I mean, listen, we, what are we doing? I need here? stories, I need stories, guys. Look, from a TV perspective, this baseball postseason is set up to be one for the ages. I mean, seven of the top 10 media markets are, are participating in, the, in this year's playoffs. So they could end up as four-game sweeps. We don't know. It, it could be a disaster. But I can tell you, I know executives at Fox and Turner have been popping champagne corks. Who's up for me? Greg Olson. Olson is uh, one of the new analysts on Fox. Uh, to me, he looks like he could be a potential number one, which is not easy to find. I'm not saying he's there yet, but I do think Olson is a guy who uh, could be a star. The thing I like about him, He's so relaxed on the air. He's working with the likable Kevin Burkhart. And I just think he is someone who has gotten some publicity, but maybe not even enough of how good he's been uh, in these first uh, couple of weeks of the NFL season. All right, John. And then we go, who's down? The dreaded who's down. Uh, Nobody wants to be in this. Uh, Who do you got? It's got to be Sage, doesn't it? Sage Steele, right? Uh, Didn't she get the memo? 
that on-air talent at ESPN has to stay away from politics. I mean, he ended up wading into some of the biggest social issues that are dividing this country. Ends up being what looks awful like a suspension. She's not going to be on SportsCenter for the rest of the week. She's not going to be uh, moderating a panel at the ESPNW conference. It hasn't been a really good week for Sage. Yeah, and, and then she did it on the Jay Cutler podcast. That's not exactly where you think news is going to be broken uh, and then it's going to cost you uh, being on the air. Sage has been outspoken in the past. She makes a lot of money, seven figures, uh, and well into seven figures. Uh, and so uh, she's, she's messing with that situation. It's going to be interesting to see what uh, ESPN does in the future with Sage Steele because, look, I think at this point, Jimmy Pitaro uh, and company, they don't want these headaches anymore. They don't want these stories uh, anymore. And, and quite honestly, I, I don't really understand, and this is probably a bigger discussion, if you're taking a check from someplace and they want you not to hit on some of these issues when you're doing public facing uh, interviews or you're being you're on Twitter, I don't really see it's not a freedom of speech issue. You, you take the check and that those are the rules. And in this case, Sage, uh, you know, she probably feels like, well, this is how I feel. and I should be able to say what I want. That's true. You can say what you want. But if you take the check from Disney, you get that little Mickey Mouse on your check. You kind of abide by the mouse's rules. And so, uh, you know, she's in trouble. And, and that, I think it, it could hurt her in the future in terms of her future there. You know, John Skipper's uh, ESPN sort of almost welcomed that until it didn't. He's been completely consistent uh, since he's uh, gotten over ESPN. And he, th- there is no tolerance for this. So, Andrew, who's down? I have college game day down. I'll tell you why. Mm. Their decision this Saturday not to go to Iowa City for Iowa, number three in the country versus Penn State, number four. To me, why do you cede that space to Fox? Now, I get it. The game's on Fox. I get it. They want Herb Street and Fowler to call the Texas-Oklahoma game. I get all that. You're game day. You're the iconic show, and you have to serve your viewers first and foremost, and you have to be where the most important story of the day is because you want to be the epicenter. You have been your iconic show bad decision to go to Texas to a state fair. I got Mark Shapiro the other day in my post plus newsletter uh, that you can subscribe to every Monday. Uh, Shapiro went, uh, went to town uh, on them. I know ESPN wasn't thrilled with, with his comments, uh, but, uh, but I agree with him. I, I don't see how you cannot be in Iowa city for that game. You know, you don't see Shapiro quoted every day. Did he know you were quoting him? Was he surprised to see that in the paper the next he day? Was, yes, of course. I, I said to him, are you sure? That's what I said. I, I don't know if my editors would like that. I said, are you sure? Uh, you know, Mark's always been outspoken. He's one of the great uh, quotes for executives. A lot of them are, you know, mealy mouth and don't want to say anything. Shapiro's always been outspoken since he was the hotshot 30-year-old, you know, running ESPN. Well, what makes that uh, decision so surprising is that in the past, they haven't cared whether they carry the game or not. They, they pick one of the biggest games or one of the best storylines, and there's no bigger storyline on Saturday than that. Topic one. Topic one is the NBA and their moves that they made, John. Yeah, Andrew, you broke this news. Mike Greenberg, Stephen A. Smith, Wilbon, Magic. How did this all come about? So Dave Roberts, who's now in charge of the NBA, right when he got the job, he went out to L.A., he met with Stephen A., Wilbon and Magic, and the three of them, they kind of wanted to form their own big three to, you know, borrow the NBA vernacular. They're good buddies, and they feel like, and ESPN hopes, that their camaraderie can really, you know, come through the screen. Uh, 
know, what ESPN's getting with these three, they, they well, especially with Wilbon and Stephen A, and now let me put Greenberg in there, they know what they're getting TV-wise. Um, and then th- their hope is that they meld it into to something uh, that can be special. Will it ever be inside the NBA? I doubt it. But they, there is that you, – you want that friendship on the air. That's what separates teams. You know, you mentioned inside the NBA. One of the problems that I think ESPN has had – is they always seem to be chasing inside the NBA, which along with College Game Day, one of the two best studio shows of all time, in my opinion. But the thing about inside the NBA, it's not a pregame show. It's not even, it's, it's barely even a sports show. It's a sort of a comedy and social, like uh, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, they'll talk about whatever they want to talk about. And ESPN, it's not in their DNA to come up with a show that, that, that's similar to that. Yeah, and then, of course, they, they put Greenberg as the lead, which after what happened with Maria Taylor and, and Rachel Nichols, um, they go with Greenberg. And so you say, why? So I talked to some people. Why do they go with Greenberg? Well, the feeling with ESPN is that he makes his analysts better. They give him a lot of credit. You see a lot of uh, people who have been developed uh, on Get Up from Marcus Spears to Dan Orlovsky to others. And uh they feel like Greenberg has a lot to do with that. And so quarterbacking the show, they thought he's the best guy uh, for that program. And, and that's why he's going to be the host of the finals. He'll be on ESPN about 27 hours every day. Well, I find it striking that after Maria Taylor, after Rachel Nichols, they moved forward without any women in lead roles for the, uh, for the, their NBA studio shows. And it's, uh, it's something that they haven't done in you know, just about a decade. They do have Shanae Ogumake on Wednesdays. Uh, and then you also have Malika Andrews, who's uh, hosting NBA Today. So there are women involved, just not at the lead role, which you might have expected after what happened uh, with, with Rachel and Maria. Uh, but they felt like Greenberg is the right person to, to lead that show. You know, it's not like Greenberg isn't an accomplished host and isn't someone who has uh, been successful on a lot of platforms, uh, including radio for a long time, and then TV. So he has been successful. And how about Jalen Rose, John? He's been on that show now for 10 years, which given the amount of changes the countdown has made, that's about 100 years for any other program. (laughs) Topic two. NFL, we're in week four. Four takeaways we have. John, you can lead off. What do you got? Uh, Just about a quarter of the way through the season. NFL TV ratings are ridiculously high and seemingly defying physics. I can't tell you how big of a story this is in the TV business. Cord cutters, they are out there. They really are. But in a world where flat is the new up, these numbers are, they're mind boggling. Every single NFL window right now for week four is up. All told, the NFL audience is up 16% over last year, and I think it was uh, 4% over uh, 2019. The exact point when I realized that the NFL was a runaway freight train, it, it was last week's Thursday night football game on NFL Network. It was on paper a dog of a game. It was Jacksonville against Cincinnati, two teams that have no national following, and there's no TV network executive that's trying to get those teams to play there. Well, that game... It posted 8.5 million viewers. It was up 47% from last year. It was one of the NFL Network's most watched games in three years. It's preposterous how much the ratings are up right now. And I think it has to do a lot also with the fans being back in the stands. I think last year, we're still in the pandemic, uh, no fans. 
just the excitement level for these games uh, were just not as high. All right, let's go second takeaway. What do you have? They haven't started negotiating yet for a Sunday ticket. Those negotiations are starting to, to, to trickle in, but they have had informal talks. They've had them with Apple TV. They've had them with Amazon. They've had them with Disney. Uh, they haven't had them with it with everybody yet. There's a, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of companies that want to get Sunday ticket, uh, including DirecTV. And so what the NFL has to decide is whether or not they want to uh, just go all digital and go all in with someone like Amazon, or whether they want to split the package up and have it go to DirecTV and maybe ESPN or, or I, I think that they are going to really need DirecTV, and I'm start, this is a flip-flop by me. I'm starting to think that they want to do a deal with DirecTV because number one, DirecTV wants them. And number two, one of the biggest draws of Sunday Ticket, it comes from all the bars and restaurants. Yep. They're not hooked up to receive streaming yet in, in nearly the same way that they receive. They can just put a satellite dish on, on their roof and, and they already have that. So there are a lot of considerations that the NFL has to look at but basically, once again, the NFL is sitting on a pile of cash from these rights. Yes, and I think they probably split it up because of the point that you made about the bars. Uh, I do think that uh, I don't know. Maybe Amazon can figure that out. Uh, they figure out most things. So maybe they can figure out those logistics. But uh, that is a big headache. There is still some leadway because we're still not it's not next year. It's the year after. Um, Amazon, ESPN Plus, those are my two favorites digitally. Apple, I'll believe it when I see it. They really haven't gotten into anything yet. Uh, could they make a big play? Sure. Do they have the money? Of course. But I think it's Amazon ESPN plus my digital prediction Peacock. I think that they need to do something to draw in subscribers because they're floundering now. Right, we have dinner on this. OK, John says Peacock. <laughs> I get the field. Uh, John, I Wait, you got the field. How did that work out? All right. I'll take Amazon. Right. I'll take Amazon ESPN plus. You can have one more. You get the next choice. You want ESPN? Uh, well, now that I know you're not going to take Peacock, yeah, I'll take ESPN. All right, fine. Uh, and then I'll, I'll put Apple in there, but I don't think so. I think it's ESPN, so I don't know what kind of bet this is. So, But anyways, if I get any of those, you owe me dinner. All right, so Andrew, give me one of your takeaways. NFL season, four weeks in. The, the new analyst, Greg Olson, uh, has been very good. Mark Sanchez has, been, has done a really good job, is very comfortable. Uh, there's been a lot of buzz with Gus Johnson and Aqib Tlaib. Uh, and so I look at these analysts uh, batch and there are some really strong um, up and comers uh, who could really be on your TVs on Sundays for a long time. And then there's Drew Brees. I did a review of Brees' first game where he did the Notre Dame game uh, and he was okay, but I really felt like he improved last week. I watched a good amount of the Cincinnati uh, game and he showed potential to me that, that I didn't see as much that first game. He needs to own uh, the end of the game, the quarterback situation. He had some strong statements about who Notre Dame should play a quarterback, which coming from Drew Brees means something. And he seems to be studying it, which is always an indicator of how someone is going to do long-term. Are they into it? Are they passionate? Do they want to do it? I do get that feeling from Brees. He does. You know, all those new analysts, it just reinforces to me just what a unicorn Tony Romo was when he it came in. He went into CBS's number one team right away, and just was he never looked back. It just shows me how well they did with that one. Your second takeaway from the NFL season: 
people are listening to this. These guys are talking about the NFL season and they haven't mentioned the Manning cast in terms of <laughs> sports TV. Are you kidding me? Of course, the Manning brother. I mean, what a success. Are you kidding me? Uh, ESPN is paying the Mannings. Definitely eight figures for Peyton. I don't know if uh, uh, Eli's getting it. They got the production deal. They're trying to keep it secret. I'm trying to find out. Uh, there is a, uh, it, it is for a lot of money though. I know that. Uh, the deal's ridiculous for the Mannings. They're doing jazzed up Zooms. It's WFH, work from home for them. Uh, they only have to work 10 out of 17 weeks. I mean, how ridiculous is that contract? But here's the thing. It's great for ESPN as well. because Everyone loves it. Uh, the weeks that they, they weren't on this past week for the first time, and people are like, where are the Mannings? Where are the Mannings? Uh, it's a smash hit. Great success. Let me bring it back to what we talked about at the beginning with Countdown and inside the NBA and all these shows that are successful. Fox is NFL Sunday. Why are they successful? Because it's not as much about – it's about sports and trying to be informative, but it's also about having fun. And Eli busting on Peyton is what makes this show go. How many people could say to uh, Peyton Manning, your uh, armpit sweat is showing? Not many people. Uh, and Eli can do that, and that's why this show goes. And obviously they're both – you know, Menza when it comes to talking about quarterbacking and this has been a humongous success. And, you know, I can give you all, it can have all the who's ups uh, in the world when you really think about it. Yeah. We can come up probably with 20 reasons each why we like the show, but why, why is it a success? I mean, in TV terms from week one to week two, it doubled its audience. People sampled it. They came back, people sampled it. They talked about it and brought their friends in to watch. And then from week two to week three, it increased its audience again. I mean, if, you're, if you, you have a new television show, that's the kind of audience growth you want to see. All too often, they, the, the TV shows start big with a premiere and, and go the other way. And so the, the, the audience has totally bought into this. And it, to me, it looks like it can be really long lasting. Six pretty good minutes. We're not going to have guests every week, but when we can have someone special in, uh, we're going to do it. And we really thought it was appropriate, at least I did, to have our first guest, Scott Van Pelt. He's a Maryland grad, like John Oran. And Scott, we did some practice podcasts during the summer. And one of my big takeaways is that John may love you more than he loves his wife. One simple rule of this podcast, Scott. Nobody can talk bad about Scott Van Pelt. And my criteria is simple. It's not every Maryland alum. It's just the ones that went to College Park in the late 80s. They were RTVF majors, and they were actually in my classes. Well, right. Marcian, I would think it would be a really, really skinny lane of people that, that would be in. And we were in what was, what was sort of like journalism light. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, I couldn't get into the journalism school at Maryland. Um, and you, several years ago, I was asked to give the commencement address, which was one of my very favorite things ever, because I said, you're taking advice this morning from someone who couldn't get into the college that you are graduating from. But Oran and I go way back to, we were, we literally, we were in classes back in the day in College Park. And I'm proud of uh, the, the space that he has uh, carved out for himself. He, you, both of you guys are, are, you know, big wigs in this industry, and I'm happy to be your maiden voyage here. I love the story about how you got started in the business. You were basically sleeping on somebody's couch when you were 25 and you drove down to Orlando and got into the Golf Channel. You're a 25-year-old today. What, what, how, how are you looking at this market? How, how are you going to break into sports media? I don't know that I would. Uh, 
I mean, I, I've told the story often uh, that it's just a giant happy accident uh, that I ended up having an opportunity at the Golf Channel years ago and and Tiger Woods became Tiger Woods. I mean, it was, it was serendipity times a million and, and um, it, a, 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 truly I, so many dominoes had to fall in a sequence for any of this to happen. And it's remarkably unlikely. It's easier now to anyone can do this as you all are proving. <laughs> you get, you get, you get, you get a, We're still yeah, just a record. We're still going to write. So just keep yeah, that in mind. Of course it's you are. And it, it's look, but, but my point, my point, Marshan, is that anyone could do this and any, and everyone is. And so if I'm 25 and I'm thinking, Hey, this is what I want to do. All right. Well, I, I, me and my buddies will, will throw together a podcast. Well, who cares? Who's listening? How do you create an audience? How do you create uh, content that anyone will will seek or that anyone more importantly no one's seeking it because they don't know to seek it how will they find it now once they find it what are you giving people that makes them want to find it again uh it would it, it feels it would feel daunting to me given the the amount of clutter and the amount of noise to to think you know i've got something to say and it's worthwhile and so two things here for me is just Sports Center is iconic to this day uh, and your name's on it, which I don't believe that's ever been hap has happened uh, previously. Uh, so that's that's number one, what that means to you. But and, but also, uh, how did that all come together? It was interesting. I, we were doing I was doing radio with Rosillo and, um, and and we knew we knew what the executives never got, which is that we connected to an audience and, and it just, it was, it was not for them. And we talked about it. Then they've talked about it to a degree that they just, that they didn't get it. And because they didn't get it, I don't think they rec recognized that, that we had created a connection to an audience. And Brasillo's proven it with, with what he's done with the ringer and the kind of numbers he does. He's excellent in that space. Excellent. Um, but they wanted they, and at the time, was John Wildack. It was John Wildack and John Skipper. Uh, were interested in taking some of what we did on radio and putting it in, in a late-night sports center. And I was really hesitant to do it because you, you said, I think, correctly, Andrew. It, it's Sports centers, it's an iconic thing. Um, I mean, lots of people have taken their shots. Other networks were going to do it, and they were going to take us down, and they don't even try anymore. Uh, sports centers is... And people can say, oh, I don't watch anymore. Okay. I don't know. Check our ratings. You know, our ratings are up from several years ago. We still do pretty well. Um, and so to your point, when, when it was going to be mine, it was, that was, that was daunting to me. I mean, cause I think about, I think about every person that's been great on it. And, and if I start naming them, I'll leave people out, but you go back to whomever it was that you identify with that and what made it truly an iconic brand. And I, I respect every one of them. I didn't want to F it up, you know, <laughs> but, but I also felt like, you know, at midnight, frankly, a lot of their, our execs are asleep. Unless I really do F it up, they're not going to hear about it. And they're just going to look at the numbers. That's a good thing they're asleep, right? Without question. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to ask for forgiveness. I'll just ask for, I don't have to ask for permission. I'll just ask for forgiveness, uh, as they say. Now, let me take me back. And I think this is your last contract that came up. NBC had um, a real big interest in you. Uh, what can you tell us about what happened there and then your decision-making process? I mean, I... I was very, I was very flattered. I talked to them. Um, 
I talk to Shanks and the people out of Fox who, who I happen to, you know, I know them and like them. I mean, you know this, you guys know this business. It's a small little cocktail party, man. It's, and, and if you just are decent to everybody, I mean, we're all rather, we're, we're cordial. And I, I think we're competitive, but it's not like there's infighting or whatever else. So you get to know the Lazaruses and the Shanks of the world. And, and we had conversations. And, you know, for me at the time, I just, I just came back to the idea that, that for me, I was, I was, I was home and I wasn't, I was probably, I'm not probably, I was just intimidated by the idea of having to go to a a Fox or an NBC with a blank canvas and create something. It was always flattering that, 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 that uh, happened. It it happened too soon though, because now, you know, you know, the, the money that's involved now, I, now I'd use it as a master's leverage place. So Shanks, Laz, get at me, Get, 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 get at me for the, for that big dough. Now, if you're doing it, it's also DraftKings and FanDuel and all, all these gambling companies that I have. All it's all just, it's like ATMs are exploding and there's money in the air. And I'm just like, yeah, I just want to get an umbrella and turn it upside down and catch all that money. So, yeah, but everyone call Montag immediately. You know, Scott, I want to hit on bad beats uh, for a quick second, because you really when you brought that to, to television, it really was ahead of the curve. And now just this week, NBC said it's going to have live odds on its golf telecasts. There is such a big rush to incorporate gambling into telecasts. How are you going to lean into that differently? I really, honestly, John, I don't think we will. Whether you bet 50 bucks on the Knicks or not, when something awful happens, it's funny. It's just compelling. You can't take your eyes off because you're like, no, I can't believe this happened again. And then it does every week. So I said, this is what we're going to do. And okay. And again, like I said, if it was a disaster, they would have said, look, we probably can't do that, but it's not how it went. I've got one last one, Scott, what would be your advice for people who cover sports media like we do? I think the thing that maybe people don't get is that we, we largely root for one another. I mean, I don't, I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm nuts. um, But I'm, I think, I think largely we see people succeed and, and we think, great. I mean, that, I mean, I don't know if you get a dollar every time you write that Stephen A. Smith makes $12 million. If you did, you must, you'd have $12 million. If you, if you got a dollar for every time you wrote it, Marcia, you'd, you'd have $12 million. But, I don't know. I, I'm going to try that. See if that works. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, no, no. If you, I, I hope you do. That. See if you, get in your next contract with the post. You get a dollar every time you write Stephen A. made twelve million. You, it you is fascinating. Have you have to, you have to, you have to say it is fascinating. Not that he hasn't earned it. I could make the case for why uh, Stephen A. is worth it. Uh, well, that I, is a fascinating part of the business. It gets complicated in terms of well, what do you, what are they paying for that? What is that that you get this for the TV piece and there's these deals, these production things, and it gets a little bit convoluted. And that's when I think you gave up and just said write twelve million because that's a lot of dough. But here's what I'd say personally about that, because people say, God, does that does that piss you off? What Stephen A. works his ass off. He that he works as hard in this business as anyone. And is a is a born entertainer and is able to do and, and I say that as someone who can host shows, who can go be on other shows like host Kimmel, do the the the, the general hospital bit, just you know recurring character or whatever. I appreciate that the that the hustle has been rewarded with the, with the payday. And when Cowherd left, when he left and created a bunch of different revenue streams or whatever else, I think. 
go get every nickel, dime, and dollar because there's a small window, not small for us as it is for athletes because you can we can do this when we're old. But I guess what I'm saying, Marshan, is that I think mostly we root for each other. It's six pretty good minutes. I think we went a little bit over, but thank you. Very first guest on our podcast. We can't thank you enough for coming on. And remember the rule, Marsha, only, only kind things about me. Nothing bad can be said about me. I'm and- we'll, see. we'll see. Scott Van Belt, Marilyn Terrapin. That was great, right? Right, Andrew? He was great. The one thing is he said, uh, you know, what would you do? Would you get into the business? He said, no, I wouldn't get into the business. But then there'd be no Scott Van Pelt. He's very relaxed on the air. And I do think you really can feel the thread of what he did on radio during that Sports Center show that he does every night, uh, which I think is a key to connecting with that audience. I don't know. I liked his advice. I thought it was more than than don't get don't get in it. I thought it was like, you can get in it. <laughs> he said anybody can have a podcast, you know, I, I, even you know, us. Continue, continue to write, continue to work, get in there, have something to say and, 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 and find, find a place to say it. We call it six pretty good minutes, but we went a little bit over. The interview actually went 30 and then we're editing it down because we want to just give you guys the best parts of it and not just have it go on and on. So um, hopefully you enjoy that. We're not doing it every week. Uh, when we have special guests, we're going to do it. But a lot of times it might just be John and I. And then some weeks we will have um, a special guest. Topic three. This is a big issue uh, around where I live. Uh, Comcast has taken MSG off the air. You are better on this subject than anybody. Uh, You've been covering it forever. Uh, But you say about this issue that MSG Network off the air, they do the Knicks, they do the Rangers, they have the Devils, they have the Islanders. They're off the air. You say this is going to be different. You expect it to be prolonged. I want the average person out there to understand what's going on here. Why do you say it's going to be longer than, you know, usually these deals, they fight and then eventually they get together and it's just a lot of uh, statements back and forth. And then, then last minute it says, oh, we got together. You can watch the Knicks. Why is this different? Uh, several years ago, Comcast dropped Yes Network in those same markets, Northern New Jersey and Connecticut. They went without the Yankees in those markets for a full year, and they did nothing to try to get that to get Yes Network back on until Fox Fox Sports owned, or Fox owned it at the time, and uh, Fox News's contract was up, and they jammed Fox News with the RSN and 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 were able to convince uh, them to get it in. MSG. They're just MSG. There's no Fox News. There's no Fox broadcasts waiting there to help them negotiate to get back on. And so Comcast is betting that there aren't enough Knicks, Rangers, Islanders, Devils fans who are willing to uh, cut the cord and go to another provider to uh, to to ruin their business. So they they they, they see what the viewing stats are. So, John, in my first newsletter, the newsletter plug, um, my first newsletter, I wrote about how ESPN is going to go direct to consumer within the next five years. And for those who didn't read it, that means the ESPN, not ESPN Plus, the ESPN, Monday Night Football, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, that ESPN will do that in the next five years. If you're MSG and you're these regional sports networks, can you do that? Why can't you do that? What What is the, it, it, is that a sound play? And let me also say about ESPN, it will also still be on cable. It just will also be available direct to consumer. So can that play work for Yes Networks, MSGs, and, and you know, uh, all the RSNs around the country? Well, it, it's harder. ESPN has a lot more leverage. They're part of Disney. 
They're, uh, they own ABC Broadcast Network. They own all the Disney channels. ESPN has 20 channels, you know, seemingly as well. Um, here's the problem, though. MSG can go direct to consumer tomorrow. But if it does that, it's going to make a lot less money. Nobody's going to uh, subscribe to an MSG streaming service in the summer. They have no, they have no summer sports right there. Nobody, if you're, let's say you're a Rangers fan and they start out winless through December, you're not going to, all of a sudden you're there for, for two months. The whole beauty of the RSN business as a business study is that 20% of the cable audience were watching the, that RSN, but it was paid for by 100% of the subscribers. So your proverbial grandmother down the street who would never watch a sporting event was paying the same amount as you, who's a big sports fan, and so that's how that, that's how they made all their money. But let me let me let me let me stop you for a second though, because I just I don't want to go too long on this question. But wasn't the cable bundle better for everybody? Because the grandma who's not watching ESPN and MSG, she might be getting another channel that she likes that now costs ten cents. So yes, the money went to sports predominantly and some other networks. Uh, but wasn't it better for for everybody? Now we're gonna have to have 50,000 subscriptions, you should get Post Plus, $4.99, uh, in the Sports <laughs> Business Journal. Uh, but you, uh, but how many subscriptions can everyone have? If you want to watch soccer, you need every subscription in the book, and you need cable. So wasn't it better overall, or am I mistaken? I don't think I'm mistaken. No, I'm not it was, mistaken. It was better overall. Right. No, it was better overall for, for sports fans, absolutely. But for, for Grandma, she can watch the, the broadcast channels, and then she can get she can get Netflix or she can she can get, you know, Amazon Prime and get all the entertainment shows she wants. She never watches sports. Why am I going to pay that huge amount when all I want is a, a, a broadband service, broad, uh, broadcast channels and uh, and a couple of streaming services? It works out perfectly for her. All right. Fine. It's good for grandma. And we love grandma. So it's that's good. We want grandmas to be happy. Call of the week. All right, we finish up every week with our calls of the week, and this can be a play-by-play call. It could be a decision by uh, an executive or an agent uh, or whomever, or somebody, or John makes a good decision. Maybe I'll give it to him one week. Uh, John, <laughs> you, you know what? Let me go first on this one because uh, yours is more fun. Uh, mine is NFL Countdown at Foxborough. Uh, I ripped ESPN earlier because of their terrible decision to not send game day to Iowa City for Iowa number three in the country versus Penn State, number four in the country. So let me give them praise, though. They went to Foxborough last weekend. Tom Brady returns. The show is NFL Sunday countdown, not just previewing a game. It was the right move. The atmosphere was electric. It's one of their better shows they've had. Um, I mean, I'm sick of hearing about Tom Brady, but they did a good job of getting that atmosphere. And even though the game was on NBC and, you know, probably maybe helped them draw a million people, you know, millions and you know, 30 million people, uh, I just don't understand the logic of avoiding the biggest story if you're a, a show that's supposed to be a general interest show and just if you if you limit it too much. Am I right? I'm right, right? Yeah, I, I like I like of course I, I I like that decision. Look, my call of the week. I should have made it our bosses. They gave us this podcast. This is this is great. But uh, right, let's go let's go over the people. John, you know, Butsy's kissed. We have the head of ESPN, the head of Fox. I think you missed McMahon is in person over at CBS. Yeah, did you get Lazarus? They're coming episode two. Okay, episode two. They they get their panties kissed. But anyways, now our bosses. Go ahead, call. All them. right, a- AC, roll roll the clip. He got the bases loaded. Bowers well fouled down the third baseline. 
biggest pitch of the year here for the Mariners. Three and two, bases loaded. C-Shack, the pitch. Base hit, left field. Here comes J.P. Bauer scores. J.P. scores. Mitch Honiger, what a night. What a night. I'm telling you, hey now, hey now, hey now. Mitch Honiger, wow. I mean, that was Root Sports' Dave Sims with what I thought was a perfect call if, uh, for a local television channel. I mean, this was a do-or-die game on Saturday. The Mariners have died on Sunday. But he set up the call with a prediction. He called the hit. His energy level met the moment. Nice job, Dave. I thought that was good. Yeah, Dave Sims, former WFAN host with Ed Coleman back when I was a kid. I used to listen to them. Uh, then he went out and became a play-by-play guy. And here's the thing about that call. The energy is just it hits it. Uh, you feel it. Uh, the video they had also helped uh, to, to really make you uh, relate to what the Mariner fans uh, were hearing. So, yes, I think I gave it a 4.77 out of 5 clickers, which is a great rating. Everyone always wants a 5 out of 5, but 4.77 is a tremendous rating. Uh, I agree with you. That's a tremendous call of the week. Uh, and so uh, uh, congratulations to Dave Sims. He's in podcast history. The first ever call of the week. Well, that wraps up our first ever episode of the Marchand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. Thank you all very much for uh, lasting till the end. Please subscribe anywhere where you get your podcasts and we're gonna see you next week. Thanks everybody.